Welcome to the Madison Stories Land podcast. It is I, Adam, your host, your friend, your, I don't know, pal, chief, buddy, comrade. I wear a communist pin every day on my jacket, so I, I like to say comrade. How the hell are you guys doing? I hope you're well. I am doing pretty good. Story Slam is doing really great because, as we've been saying, we have t-shirts and hoodies finally, and we're really excited about that. If you want to get one of those things, you need to come to a Story Slam because that's really about the only place that we sell them. Uh, speaking of Story Slams, our next Story Slam is the third Saturday in April. It's April 21st. The theme is Child's Play. So come down to the Wilmar Center and tell us some stories about being a child and the games you played or I don't know maybe you could take it literally since it's named after the movie Child's Play and you had a doll that came to life inhabited by the soul of a you know serial killer and they chased you and tried to kill you if that happened to you you might need to seek some psychiatric help because it probably didn't actually happen to you but it is what it is. Hey, could you do me a huge favor? Pause this podcast right now. Head over to the Apple Podcast app or onto iTunes. Search Madison Story Slam and uh, give us a rating and a review. Higher ratings help people find our show and reviews help me know what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. If you would like to support the podcast, you can go to madisonstoryslam.podbean.com. In the upper right-hand corner, there is a little button that says become a patron. When you do that, you can uh, figure out all that good stuff that you can do. It it does help us. Money that comes into the podcast just goes back into the podcast, goes into our live events, and all that stuff. Today, oh, one more thing before we get in today. On May 12th, Saturday, May 12th at Mr. Roberts, we are starting a brand new event called Read It and Weep. And what we want is people to come and read old journal entries, maybe plays that they wrote from when they were kids, or anytime, you know, school age years, or if you if you have anything that you have 10 years separation from, like I said, journal entries, letters, plays, poetry, whatever it may be, we want you to come and read it and share it with us if you, you know, if you dare. I think it would be really fun and it'll help us all realize, you know, where we've been, where we are, and maybe where we're going. So again, that is May 12th at Mr. Roberts on Atwood in Madison, Wisconsin. Come out to that. Send your submissions in. We are trying to do that as a submission type show. So that's all I've got as far as announcements. On today's show, we have a regular storyteller from Madison Story Slam. And we're going to talk stories. We're going to talk life and all that goodness. It's Zachary Shea. You've heard tons of his stories. But let's get a little more intimate. So here I am with Zachary Shea. Hey. Zach, how are you? Good. Yeah? How's your day? (laughs) My day is good. Yeah. My day is I'm 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 weird levels of temperature right now because I biked here oh, you in did. winter gear. Oh. Uh, which means my core is just like get out of every piece of clothing you have while my nose wants to fall off. Yeah. Zach, do me a favor and move that microphone a little bit more in front of your mouth. God, I'm so bad at it. It's this. all right. No, you know, no, it's okay. I assume you've never I, I know that you you do you currently have a podcast or are you still working on making it I, I'm still working on it, and it's not so much I'm working on the logistics of making it happen, mostly because it's very freeing if you don't care if people listen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I host a couple podcasts where I where I have that going on, so. Okay, yeah. I, I don't really care if people hear it, so I want it to be good, but that also really leads me into this weird roadblock. It's kind of similar. It's an interview thing, and every time I want to approach it, it's both the desire to sort of milk these stories that some people are telling me for the really juicy parts yeah. without imposing, I guess, my own worldview onto someone else's experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, um, but that's dialogue, though. Is You know, part of conversation is maybe not imposing your own worldview on them, but like coming at it from your... I guess I don't know. Is it? Is it... Are you just seeking their opinion or or is it more of a conversation? Not even their opinion. It's more of like, what, how do I put it? I, I, I like the idea of people who are really interesting, but otherwise pretty normal people. Like I think of the first guy I interviewed was the, I think I told you about this, the old owner of the Mustard Museum. Yes in town 
because that's weird. Which is in um, Middleton, not necessarily Madison, Middleton, but Middleton, right. yeah. Where uh, we are right now. Used but. to be Mount Horeb. Uh, as, oh, I didn't know that. Yes, as one of my coworkers calls it, Mount Heroin. Um, <laughs> okay, let's not disparage I, our, our, our sure neighbors. I'm sure it's lovely. I just happened to work in a probation office. Oh, uh, sure. Um, <laughs> so that's the stories I get. Yeah. Um, well, it's also apparently the home of the Mustard Museum. Mm-hmm. And it started out apparently as just he had this wild collection of mustard that got to a point where people were knocking on his door and being like, hey. This is where the mustard's at. Can, can I see the mustard? Yeah, they just asked to can see his mustard. Can you imagine, first of all, can you imagine being a man who is so enamored with mustard that you have enough to start a museum? But also, can you imagine the type of person that would knock on someone's home on their door <laughs> and say, Yes, we've heard about the mustard. We're here to view the mustard. That I think is more interesting because, <laughs> and I'm going to disappoint, I'm going to like shatter your world, but sure. I think it also makes Barry a more interesting person. I wonder if you have to bleep out his name. Um, I don't. <laughs> uh, he had never particularly liked mustard before the day he decided to collect mustard. Right, oh. I have that same skepticism, and that's part of the. That's part of like, do I do I challenge him? Like, because I have the final edit. Do I challenge yeah. him on that? Yeah. Do I leave the listener with the idea of challenging it? Or do I let him tell this weird story about him at being in Capital City Market at three in the morning, depressed because the Red Sox lost the World Series, and deciding to collect mustard? I don't. It's bullshit. And, and <laughs> I don't believe it. He was the. He was the. Uh, what's the word? He was the uh, the one for the United States is uh, Sessions. Oh, uh, Speaker? No, not no, Speaker. Not speaker. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so checked out of politics not, since November 2016. Attorney. So, <laughs> uh, Attorney General. Attorney he, General. He was okay. the Assistant Attorney General for the state of Wisconsin. That I might have to bleep out. No, I don't. <laughs> and he quit that job to to collect mustard. Well, and also I just think ordinary people tend to be more interesting. And I, but would you call the attorney general of Wisconsin an ordinary person? Would you have known his name if he didn't start a mustard museum? I still don't know his name, just, right? But only because you said his first name, do I know who he is? Which is why I think of him as like a normal guy who's yeah, I guess done amazing stuff. So I hate mustard. Uh, this is so off topic from where <laughs> I thought that this conversation was going to go. I hate mustard. I so much so that it's almost a fear. Like if you bring mustard around me and like threaten me with it, like I get like the same type of like brain reaction as fear. And it's ridiculous to say that you're afraid of mustard, but there's a part of me that's afraid of mustard. I don't think fear is an irrational thing, so like whatever. And you know? It can be an irrational thing. No, I it it isn't rational. It's irrational. You said fear is a is is an irrational thing, Correct, right? Correct. Yeah. I'm saying to just say that is not right because some fear is completely irrational. Okay, now you're right. Right? I mean like the fear of a tiger when you're covered in raw meat, that's probably a rational fear if you're face to face with a tiger. So I said something dumb, and now we're gonna dissect. No, no, you didn't say anything dumb. <laughs> no, well, I did. Um, but so let me ask you this: Is this podcast that you do is it just in the recording stages, or is it out there for people to hear? Because no, maybe some people, people can't hear it. Oh. If we're looking to plug it, it doesn't exist yet. Well, I would encourage you to make it exist. I mean, I want to. What would you? What What are you calling it? If, if you were going to hit publish today, what would you call it? Uh, mustard cast. No, not mustard cast. Actually, he was asking me about what it would take for him to start his own mustard podcast. I should call him then because I'm starting a business where I help people make podcasts. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, they have no money. Yeah, I know. Uh- I know. I feel like the former attorney general of, or, or assistant attorney general of Wisconsin has maybe some personal money to spend, but maybe not the museum itself. 
so he he has to work for the museum illegally and he can't make money and his wife <laughs> has to work for the museum illegally and they have like a set cap amount of money this she can sounds make. like the shittiest raw deal that has ever existed like why do this well he he did he, he did move the museum in 2008 yeah right after he bought property and then the housing bubble burst well, I think I saw recently within the last year that they were trying to sell the location where it's at now. Um, so they were trying to sell the whole museum. They were oh, trying okay. to find a buyer, and they did eventually find one. Okay, so um, he's not running it anymore? No, so he works for it, and the woman, so originally the museum and this the- This is insane. <laughs> right? Just, and it's like, how do I frame we this? We are talking about a building that is devoted to showing people- Cans of mustard. And selling the mustard products, which were technically two separate businesses, and but now one woman owns them both. Okay. Um, she still has to run them separately so she can run one as a nonprofit because it's a museum. Sure. And the other one, the gift shop, is the business yeah. that can turn a profit. And it's just wild. And it's like, how do you frame that? How do you sustain that? Forget framing it. How do you sustain something like that? Well, I've got a collection of dryer lint. I'm going to open a museum. I mean, it, it might as well be the same thing. I, I just, I can't fathom. Listen, I should talk to this guy. I don't mean, you should. I don't mean to disparage this, but I can't fathom that there are more than a handful of people who are so passionate about mustard that they need a whole museum devoted to it. There is an amazing clip of this man on Oprah Winfrey's show. No, in, no. <laughs> in the late 90s. Mustard got him on Oprah? So the Oprah, the Oprah episode in question was Bizarre Collections. Oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And <laughs> So it wasn't like a legitimate reason for Oprah. Well, so he gets there, and the way he tells the story is that someone comes up and is like, do not talk to Oprah, do not look at Oprah, do not call to Oprah, do not do anything to Oprah's audience. You sit there, Oprah may come to you. <laughs> And they're all over the stage. Yeah. And Oprah beelines it for the mustard and just starts trying them all. And in the clip, she tries one of the mustard and she gives the camera a look like she's just had a semi-sexual experience. And apparently <laughs> he sells this mustard. Like, the mustard museum goes so far because they get so many requests for sure. it to find a new company when the original goes under to sell that mustard. No but they've way. never made a dime of profit off of it. I just, I cannot believe this. I am, I am currently trying to look up this mustard <laughs> Oprah clip. So there, it exists in an O Network form, like the O Network yeah. posted a Where Are They Now video. Where the, they must, the man who devoted his life to mustard, where yeah. are they now? Also, he looks like a total dork. Hold on, hold on movies. one second here, hold on. All right, I, I, we, we've, gotta, we've got to... Listen to this. Uh, listeners, if you want to see what this guy is like, go just search the man who devoted his life to mustard. But let's, let's listen in here. I used to be passionate about law, but in 1986, I discovered mustard as a hobby. I quit my job as a lawyer, opened this crazy mustard museum, and I love it. What a the pictures that are flashing by, the guy looks like uh, Luigi from the Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> are those really old pictures? Yeah, of they're them? really old pictures. Okay. Uh, the joy it is to see people smiling and laughing. When you can appreciate the wonders and silliness, too, about mustard, you can appreciate the goodness of everything. I mean, now that I see him, and I mean, I'm sure this clip is from, what did you say, the late 90s? Uh, Even in this, he looks like... Let uh, me turn the... Turn the even in this, he, he does look like Luigi without a mustache. That's, that's from the, when the thing originally aired. Yeah. Around us. I'm Dr. Mustard. Take uh, two Dr. Mustard. Of Dijon mustard and call me in the morning. How did this happen, Barry? Well, I found that mustards were so interesting. Oprah, the look on <laughs> Oprah's face looks, she is as baffled as I am. The look in her eyes is like, why have you done this? She's into it, though. Interesting. Keep going. They have such great flavors, and I also discovered that they're so healthy because there are virtually no calories in mustard. Yeah. There are nine different mustards out here. You could take a teaspoon of each of them. You're not even getting 50 calories total. And My kind of condiment. It's <laughs> fabulous. So yeah. many wonderful you flavors. You get a mustard. Uh, you get a mustard. Come on over. 
This is actually our wedding mustard. Oh. We were married. Patty and I were married wedding November mustard. one. Oh. And so we what? had a special one made for us with our pictures on it. Oh, very nice. This is the raspberry honey mustard that just won the gold medal and grand champion. I was award. gonna ask what was the grand champion. This is it. <laughs> grand champion. Raspberry honey. I bet this is fabulous oh, on a turkey Oprah sandwich. Is Great into on a this. turkey sandwich. I use it on well, I eat mustard every day. Do ya? <laughs> This is made with walnuts. This just won a gold medal for best exotic mustard in the world. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Something Great just awakened in <laughs> Oprah. That is really sensational. Isn't that amazing? That. Isn't that amazing? Let's pass it around for the audience so they get sure. to Course. So we checked in with Barry 17 years later to see if he's still living his <laughs> And here it's just dream. like a Skype chat. Well, I still want to see it. Okay. <laughs> People still ask for Oprah's favorite mustard, and we know exactly what they're talking about. After our I'm wearing a shirt that says Poupon You. Like, it, like it's a collegiate shirt, but it's, the pun is Poupon You. Right now, we have over <laughs> well, Poupon's a mustard. I know. That's why it's a pun. <laughs> but it's supposed to be like Poupon University, but it's just Poupon You. All aspects of mustard history. People come here, they just have a good time. They learn things they never thought they would learn. And I've written a children's book about mustard. <laughs> no, it's shut up. <laughs> mustard on a pickle. For little uh, children. It's very important to get little children interested in mustard. Groove into these tunes. The There's some mustard tunes if you've ever heard of them. The network library <laughs> background music. <laughs> Oprah's going to sue me for doing this. But. <laughs> I don't know if Oprah even knows which channel yeah. the O network is. <laughs> that and she doesn't know that Adam Rosted and Madison Story Slam exist. Fair. She's too busy being a movie star lovers, now. Yeah. All right, I've had enough of this this mustard garbage. <laughs> he's written so many books too. You said he's written many books. Poetry book, a book about baseball. <laughs> about mustard? A poetry book about mustard? No, just a poetry book. This guy is <laughs> right, and that's like he's a mystery. I think I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. It's that's you know the kind of people. I, I want to talk to so, with whatever this project is. So so then fucking do it. Like, well, why not yeah. put this out there? So it's like... Are you waiting till you have a bank of episodes? No. W with his, like I said... So let me give you an example. With... I, I, this is your podcast, so but I'm not no, afraid I, you of know, making I hate total say, mistakes. I hate saying that this is my podcast, okay. because as you know, you've come to Story Slam many times, and it's a community, and, and while I... Well, I wouldn't say this is anybody else's podcast. I pay, I pay the fees for this thing. Right. <laughs> it does feel weird to say it's my podcast. But anyway, you, you think, don't have to worry about screwing anything up. You're good. I think what, so for example, he tells me about his life before the Mustard Museum, which he mentions offhand that he's married. Sure. And then he talks about as he's opening the Mustard Museum and he's working on it and all the stuff about meeting this woman and getting married to her. And like any listener yeah. can clearly see the gap there. A passion for mustard happened and a family got torn apart. And there's like real interesting depths there. But he, you know he's purposefully clearly skittered over it. Like when I asked him what his wife thought, when he said he was going to collect mustard, he said, well, I'll tell you what my parents thought. Like, hmm. he, he purposefully jumped yeah. over it. Yeah. How do I frame that? Do I, do I be honest and say, like, look, here, here's so the So here's the real question. Uh, are you, you going to NPR this where he talks a little while and then you, after the fact, record something and go, and that's when I realized that Barry has wrecked his entire life well i've already mustard. recorded it with him but, well i know but what i'm right. saying is there are tons of podcasts out there where it's like a uh this american life where you have somebody and you're interviewing them and then after the fact you go back in during the editing process and and kind of journalism it where you hear portions Maybe. of the interview and then you come in and say you know if we listen to what he says here, like things, blah, 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 and you just make sense of it or whatever. That's kind of w w where I'm torn between. Am I there to digest it with them or should I just add in like gaps that need to be filled in? Like well, how I do think... I know him? Here's the bridge to the next point of the conversation. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of what you should do, honestly, especially with this one. It sounds like there's other things to say that he chose not to say. Right. But, well, but also there is, and he was very open and honest about this, the fact that the Mustard Museum has never been a financial success. And it's, you know, financially, it's probably if he had stayed an insane decision right if he had stayed a you know a state level lawyer who he argued in front of the supreme court of the united states yeah and won the case wow um and now he he enjoys mustard right he he would financially be in a much different place. i gotta be honest zach i hate that we're talking about this (laughs) (laughs) yes i hate that there's a mustard museum (laughs) i hate that we have devoted 20 minutes now to talking about the mustard museum. That's interesting. Why do you hate it? I don't know. It's like uh, this makes me sound like an asshole. And maybe I just am an asshole, right? It sounds like a complete and utter waste of time to me. But then again, a lot of the things that I enjoy, I can recognize as complete and utter wastes of time. Right. So who am I to say that it shouldn't exist? Who am I to say that I'm angry that it exists? I almost think, to, to bring it back to Story Slam, <laughs> I think it's more, you know, the idea of you know, people getting on stage and telling stories is ultimately a waste of time. If no, you how dare you? If you eliminate the community element, which you love to But, but you can't. About. You can't eliminate the community Can element. You eliminate the only the... way you could eliminate the community element of it is if there's no audience and there's no recording of it. Can you eliminate the community element of the Mustard Museum? I guess if you go, like, on a, in a morning what by yourself. What community element? You go with your, like, that's a thing you do. You go with your family. And I'm like, sorry, but I'm imagining, I am imagining people going, like, in the dark of night, <laughs> <laughs> wearing an overcoat with the collar turned up, making sure nobody sees them. I suppose when you turn it into a heroin deal, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds Are these like mustard no seeds or poppy seeds? So, okay. listen, I don't mean to disparage the Mustard Museum. I'm sure it's lovely. Right. I have known many people who love to go. It's a basement. Yeah. That kind of sums up my opinion of it. So, <laughs> listen, go out there and do your thing. That's awesome. Great. Let's talk about this thing, then. Sure. Let's stop talking about mustard. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about Story Slam. How long have you been coming to Story Slam? Uh, my first story slam was November 2016. Okay. So and almost two years. Year and a half. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess almost. Sometimes I think it's the fall. It's not the fall right now. Right now. Um, do you remember how you heard about was story it really slam? 2016? I feel like it's gotta be. Do you remember no, it was what, 2015? Do you remember what the one was that you told your first story at? What the theme was? Um... I can't remember, but I told the story about bloody poops. I don't remember what the theme was that got to there. Hmm. Was that the Canada story? Or camping or something? No, when I went to... Um, when, I, when I was in college, I studied abroad, and I got something which caused a small amount of blood <laughs> in my bowel movements. Was, that, and, was the theme holy shit then? Was it the holy shit one? No, I don't think... Maybe? Maybe? I don't know. I got lost. Anyway. I got, I got lost, and there was, like, blood running out of my anus, and... <laughs> We're just getting into it. I didn't know where I was, Yeah, and I, I was, like, going for a hike because my girlfriend was breaking up with me at the time, Okay, and then I was like, oh, I have no idea that where I am. That was your first story? I think so, yeah. I think you can tell. I don't think it's really good. <laughs> I, I thought maybe the first story was, like, the YMCA camp one in the showers. Uh, having sex in the showers yes, and that. having the pastor walk in on us. Yes. Uh, so for <laughs> listeners who are, maybe this is your first episode. Maybe you haven't, or maybe you haven't listened to any of the uh, Story Slam episodes. You've just listened to only my interviews because I'm such a great interviewer. Um, if you haven't listened to any of the, the Story Slam episodes, or, or if this is your first episode, Zach is known at Story Slam for getting up and telling some very intimate, sexy time stories. I think that's fair to say. I think that's fair to say. I think just... I mean, I think you've become known as the sex guy. Well, I've, I've been trying this. I think I've only done it once. Bro- break, broken, broken the rule once, but it was n- no sex stories 
this time around, this oh, like, season, and I did oh, tell you, one. Oh, did you make that rule for yourself? Yes. I mean, I didn't make that rule. I made, I made it, like, as a personal rule to okay. try to make myself a little more versatile. Sure. Because, um, I mean, there's other dumb shit I've done. I don't exclusively do dumb shit while naked. <laughs> I just frequently do dumb shit <laughs> Don't naked. we all? Don't we all? So, I Anyway, mean, but let's go back to my first question here. Okay. Do you remember how you... you found out about story slam like how you heard about it yes so i was i had gotten hired to work for a company this we're gonna talk about that we're we're rewinding a bit i got hired to work for a company in Mm -hmm. town and they did a lot of hire people but don't have them start for three stop hitting the table oh sorry (laughs) hold on here's what happened just listen don't speak here's what happens when you hit the table where microphones are on don't hit the table. Yeah, you know, I know, you're right. <laughs> I will, I'll just hit my own knee. So you got, you got hired by a company. Yeah, to, and they did a lot of, they hired me in August, and they're like, we're going to start you in November, November 1st. And there's like two layers to this. The first layer is I decide, okay, I'm going to go back to this camp where I saw the priest with the big penis. Um, you never mentioned that in the story, it, by the way. It's a it's a weird thing to have a, to reconcile that a man of God is hung, but like, there's no reason it shouldn't. It, it, that, it can't that a a man of God who uh, how how would you say this? Uh, there was a man who was hung on a cross, and he's a man of God who's hung. Uh. Are you saying it's inevitable? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what I'm saying. I think what I'm saying is blasphemous, but okay, it is what it is. Don't you have? Don't you have? Don't you have got a a, a Jesus cast? Uh, we, a don't talk, we don't. We don't. A God pod. We don't talk about this on. Uh, talk about that on this podcast. But okay. I do listen. I am religious. You know this. I talk yeah. about it on stage. Uh, I grew up a pastor's kid, and uh, but I I grew up as a pastor's kid, whose father, the pastor. My whole life encouraged me to try LSD, and he said he would buy it if I wanted to do it. So okay. I had a very liberal upbringing. I say fuck shit, damn bitch hell. I, you know. I was raised Catholic. My father has told me two things that I know cannot both be true. One is that he's never done anything illegal, sure. and also he's been to multiple Pink Floyd concerts. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm like, which one is the lie? Yeah. All right, we keep getting off track. Right, we no. keep getting on these bunny trails. So you heard I, about Story Slam because I I decided to volunteer at the camp I used to work at, mm-hmm. and one of the later weeks um, at this family camp. So it's a camp that adults and kids go to. Does a Story Slam, and since it's the camp where it happened, I tell the story about uh, really? when I worked there, getting tipped with marijuana oh, okay, and that's throwing okay. it into. No, I don't tell the story <laughs> well, about seeing well. <laughs> about seeing the pastor who is also my boss, yeah. but naked. Yeah. Um, well, that story's not really about that. That story is yeah. about sex. It's about a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I throw, I, I tell the story about throwing the marijuana into the lake, and they get a kick out of it. And I'm like, oh, this is a lot of fun. Uh, I volunteer there for two more months, and then I move up to Madison. When out of the blue, uh, one other woman who also got hired to work for this company just finds out there's someone in Madison who's also from Massachusetts who's also going to start on the same starting day as my day. That is a, a shallow and flimsy but cogent enough excuse to say let's be friends sure and it worked out i get that and so for the first couple months we were like we have to be social and do things because we're both kind of introverts and we don't really know how to just make friends in the wild yeah so i say i wonder if there's like a story slam in town and i google it and yours is the first one that comes up hell yeah hell yeah it is at least it was back then i think now that the moth is in town they probably come up first but ah well well but i googled it, for it helps that story slam madison it helps that the name is madison story slam and people either google that or just madison story slam so yeah right and so we went and has she ever been back would i know her yeah she was back multiple times um uh she wanted i think it was her very last story slam because she ended up uh 
going to grad school in uh, England, but she went for about a year. Okay. Um, And her very last time she was like, I'm going to tell a story. And it was a it was a real busy night. Did we run out of time? It was one of those things uh, where it was real skimpy and then real busy. Yeah. Actually, you're gonna know the exact story it is. So maybe you'll have to cut this out because why? Well, because you said, um, you know, we've only got time for one more, so we're gonna bring this guy up. And she was like, oh, you know, oh well. And the guy gets up, and it's the guy who tells the story about accidentally crashing the take back the night, uh, party. And he ends it on the joke, joke in air quotes. Oh, God, they must have thought we were rapists. And he just walks out and there's dead air. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. What? Wow. (laughs) I totally forgot that that happened. (laughs) Well, to be fair, we had a a far more interesting one. We're not going to touch on that at all. Okay, That is uh, being erased from the Madison Story Slam uh, history. I figured. We were sitting in the front, and Mel was like, I don't know if I can clap. And I was like, if you clap, clap, it will be easier to edit. Not on that thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It will be easier to edit. You know what? Let's talk about it. Uh, We're not going to get into specifics, but I'll I'll just say that um, at the February story slam event the theme was there will be blood and there was somebody that came up and told the story that was extremely uncomfortable and um could be perceived as threatening uh maybe not to anybody in the room specifically but uh, there were two specific comments that were made that that could really easily be perceived as threatening and it was right after it was three days after the the parkland shooting in florida and there were just comments that you should never make on a stage in front of people, but especially three days after a mass shooting. And I, I was the only person that laughed during that story because I was so supremely uncomfortable that I didn't know what else to do. I don't think you're the only one who laughed. Like I said, you know what? Actually, the Mel beginning did... of the story was act, like the, be- the beginning of, of this person's talking, because I hate to call it a story, was actually pretty funny. There was a funny anecdote. And the pause felt weird and intentional before he got into the actual story. So I think most of us were on board at that point. Yeah. And so um, immediately after Story Slam was over, because he was maybe two or three stories before we were done, I think. And uh, immediately after Story Slam was over, people came to me and said, hey, that was super concerning. And we would like you to do something about it. And if you don't, we will. And, And they just meant as far as... talking to the police and you know i i put out a big long facebook post on the the madison story slam facebook page about it and uh i've never talked about it on the podcast because uh frankly i never thought anything like that would happen at story slam and so to even have to make that facebook post i just was like i was so disheartened and discouraged by it and um but i did talk to the police Uh, mainly i'll say this I don't think anybody is in any danger from this person. I think that they were trying to do some comedy and started bombing and went a wrong route and made some poor jokes and used poor judgment. And uh, I, I don't think there was real danger However, I did talk to the police and share the recording of the story with the police because the last thing I wanted in in my life and in in the community of Madison Story Slam is to be on the news a week from that night going, well, he he said this and that, but we just didn't take him seriously. And so I I had no choice. And I I made it really clear in in the note that I put on the Facebook page that if you come to my house... If you come into my community with my family, because I consider Madison Story Slam my family, and you make them feel unsafe, we've got issues. I have never stopped a story uh, in, in progress. I've never gotten on stage and be like, okay, that's, you know, that's enough, you're, you're done. Um, but that just made me realize that I, I need to be more, I need to be better about that, I guess. So that was uncomfortable. What did you think about it all? So, as you're speaking, I can think of, I mentioned 
uh, Mel, and there's a couple other people who come frequently yeah. uh, with the group I sit with who I actually meet with once a week. Oh, sure. And we do because we're all aspiring writers and we just share each other's work and workshop it. Well, and... speaking of writing things, you know, we've got this new event called Read It and Weep where you share things you've written. <laughs> so I fully expect you and that group as writers to come share some things they've written. Anyway, back to this serious thing. Um, and the, there's a, the best writing is always risky, right? Oh yeah. It, you, you have to take risks because that's when you strike a chord that doesn't normally get struck with someone in some way, shape or form. You, you can play it safe and you can come up with something, but you can only go so far. There is something risk reward about the way you run story slam. Yeah. And you do get some amazing stories out of the blue. Um, I can think of several off the top of my head, but there is a counterbalance to that, and there is a question of where where do you where do you draw that line? Like, yeah. where how 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 risk how bad do you let it get for the reward? And I think, like you said, clearly at at the very least, when there's a threat of bodily harm, yeah. Um, it had you know it has to stop because now there is there a there's no equal reward and b no one's going to come back if there's bodily harm yeah um so so hearing that from you you know the, the really really the only real risk that i see at story slam most of the time is the potential for bad stories right stories that fall flat right right well i would take it a step further um, for example, I would say that this individual said something which oh, yes. offended yes, yes. some people, and that You're gets right. beyond just right. I'm having a flatline non-experience. Yes. I'm having a negative experience. I wish I didn't come out for. So, my opinion on that is that I am not a fan of censorship. Right. Um. However, so so I'm not I'm not a fan of censorship. So I want everybody to have the opportunity to come and speak at Madison Story Slam and share their perspective and their story so that we can learn about them. And maybe what we learn about the person telling a story is that they're a fucking dick. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'm, I'm not a fan of censorship. I'm not a fan of stopping somebody just because I disagree with the content of their speech. However, as the host of the program, I'm going to get up after you and make sure that people know I don't agree with that. I, I think what you said is horrible and whatever, whatever, but I'm, I, I don't necessarily see myself stopping somebody unless there are physical threats or threats of whatever. And that's why I say it's a risk-reward. You yeah. manage to create this space where people feel super comfortable sharing things like their near-death experiences. Yeah. I think my very first story slam, a guy gets up and he just tells the story out of the blue about wanting to commit suicide but because his car breaks down and it needs to be a plan he decides you know fuck it yeah i'm not, I'm not about this mm-hmm. um and it's just sort of jarringly raw but the only you know you when the space feels when, when people feel so comfortable that they can get up and say hey i don't know you but i thought about suicide they also feel like they can get up there and say, hey, I don't know you, but I have these terrible thoughts and opinions, or even here's a threat, or here's an awful thing that I haven't really processed in a way that I can present as anything more than an awful thing. Like, that just, that is going to happen. It's more of a function of time. Like, when is it going to happen in the space? And then, like you said, you have... You know, it's up to you're the host. You get to decide where the line is, and the line for you is: Are people at risk? Yeah. But you know, I had several people reach out and say, "Why didn't you screen this person before they came in the door? Why didn't Why didn't you pull them aside when they said they want to tell a story and screen them and find out about their background?" And my response was, "Did I do that to you? Like, you came into the event, and did I?" you know, ask your full name and C-cap you first? Did I pat you down or like, it is an open and free event. And 
I want it to be a safe place. I hate the word safe space, but I want, I want it to feel like home for people. But there's not much else I can do. I, I can't, it's, it's not an inviting place if I go, okay, well, tell me exactly what you're going to say. Do you have any criminal convictions? Are you struggling with your psychiatric health? Things like that. Right. And also, you know, really the only other thing you could do is say, what are you going to, what, what story are you going to tell? Yeah. Because um, there's always the possibility that, like, not everyone has a record on CCAP. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, is to ask, what story are you going to tell? And, again, the risk-reward is somebody saying, you know, you know, you, you know what? I don't, I don't feel comfortable with this story. Second guessing it, thinking about it again, and it's not gonna, you know, it doesn't go on for whatever reason. Worrying that I'm gonna tell this really personal story, and the host is gonna be like, "Well, that's not really our vibe." So you know what? I'm just not even gonna try it. That's all. my thing. Like, I, I'm, not, I would hate to be the guy that says we don't want to hear that story, right? Because our whole point is that we want to hear your story. That's our whole point. You know, we want to hear your story so that we can understand you and get on your level and, and, and be with you and, and come arm in arm with you and make you a member of our community. Because if we understand each other's stories, we understand each other. And maybe the hardest thing to do is to understand somebody who you vehemently disagree with because of their hateful thoughts and their hateful speech and their hateful actions. We're preaching too much on this, but <laughs> well, I I don't know if I'd say preaching because I do think we have different opinions. I think to the point that at least that I could see myself if I was running Story Slam, asking people to write a one sentence description of what their story is going to be. Yeah, I could see myself going that far. But part of it is I like to be surprised. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I like the surprise of it. But there, there, there is, an, you know, there's a level of organicness you lose because at the mo at that point you can't be an in, you know an impartial presenter. You're a curator. Yeah, and it almost feels like you should be a full blown curator and you should plan the night because don't do it half heartedly. Yeah, do it all or not. Yeah. Well, and you know the other thing is Zach on story slam nights I am running around. Like a chicken with its head cut off. Yes. Because it is literally my wife and I. It's Ashley and I running this thing. And, um, which we do gladly. And I love it. I, I, I have never walked away from a story slam going, oh, I wish I had some help. I wish I had somebody to do this and do that. Uh, you know, you helped out last week because, or last month, because, or in, in February, because Ashley was gone. You helped at the door. And, um, I mean, that was great. But I, when it's me and Ashley, I've never felt like I need somebody to help me do this on a regular basis. So I, you know, I, and then I, I also, I just think Madison story slam. I have been doing story slams for going on five years now, uh, not always under the name Madison story slam. And in those five years, I can think of three stories, two of which we've talked about here today, uh, where I've felt like, this just isn't right. There's something off here. Um, or you said something that I really, really disagree with. And I, I feel like I need to say something about it. So th three stories out of generally at Story Slam, we have at least 12 stories. And I've been doing it for five years, 10 months out of the year. So I don't know what the math is there, but three stories out of, I don't know, hundreds of stories. It's I, a pretty good ratio. Yeah. I, w I would agree, because I think part of that, though, is that, uh, well, not everyone agrees with me on this. You've I got think freedom here. Say whatever most, you want. I think most people are not awful. Oh, I'm with you. Um, I think people are generally good people. Uh, but I also don't think anyone is not a piece awful, if that makes sense. Sure. Like, everyone has something real awful about them, which they really should work on, and that's not great. Why'd you do that? Yeah. We all have it. I have it. Yeah. Um, you, for example, uh, here on this podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm going to peel away one of your layers. Sure. Because you did 
lie to your audience. You said you've never interrupted a story. My second story slam. Really? You interrupted me mid-story to announce that someone's pizza was here. Oh, but I didn't. I said I didn't. I, I've never ended a story, is what I said. I've okay. never ended a story. Okay, that's fair. I've, hey, I interrupt storytellers all the time. I'm the host. I get to do that. But I've been holding that anecdote for like 15 minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, as I said it, I saw a little in your eyes. And I was like, oh, he's got something. Maybe, maybe he remembers when I ended a story. But to be I fair, what I said was I've never interrupted somebody and ended their story. No, you're right. You're right about like the. But, but let's go to that real quick. You can understand if there's a pizza guy standing in the back for 15 minutes. What are you talking about? I was telling a great story. You, he was having were, a great time. You, well, <laughs> sure, but he's got a job to do. I don't want the guy to lose his fucking job <laughs> just because you've got some sex stories to share. No, that was my first okay story. <laughs> well, I'm sorry for interrupting you. It's my, my deepest regret ever since I've started Story Slam. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. This might be a tough question for you to answer. What would you change about Story Slam? Give me one thing. Don't give me like seven things and break my heart. I don't know. Well, because like I'm tempted to say seven things, but it's like seven small things. There's not one huge fundamentally wrong thing where I'm like, this isn't working because X or even this is being held back because X. Like, I guess the only fundamental thing I would change is that you could make at the very least you know the equivalent of a survivable wage off of it so that you could actually you know wake up early and commit time (sighs) to it (laughs) zachary shay because that's really the thing holding you back isn't it it? is (laughs) if i my my dream is to be doing this full-time is that because if I could, if I could work at Story Slam stuff for eight hours a day, like a full time job, we we would we would see huge things happening with this. Because as it is, I'm devoting ten to fifteen hours a week to it, and have been devoting that kind of time to it for the last four years. And the growth that we've seen in those four years is just like it blows me away. It blows me away. This community, it like. I told Ashley recently that it feels like for the last four years, I have had to push and crawl and grab and drag for every single little inch of growth for Madison Story Slam. And it feels like this year that things have finally just started to go, okay, here's feet, here's yards of growth now. It's not just inches anymore. And, and, I, and I feel that and I just think, man, just imagine what this could be if it was, I could do this full time, if I could make a livable wage doing this. Right. Or even if it was like you had a full-time job in which that this was like 30% of your responsibility or something. Yeah. Even, even if it was at the level where like a day and a half out of the week, because that's, that's, that's what's holding you back. That's what's holding a ton of people I know who yeah. work on creative endeavors back is the fact that it's their nights and weekends and not a bulk of their time and that they do something else that consumes such a large amount of their bandwidth. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good way of saying it. Bandwidth. So, that, I mean, that makes it real for people, I feel like. That's what it is. There's eight hours a day where I can't be creative because I have to ask you where you work and uh, then you know, call your agent and let them know that they're, you know, you're yeah, here. Yeah. I think, uh, I think what I'm saying, Adam, is call your probation agent. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, Zach, I am not under supervision. <laughs> And never have been. That is not true. If I've learned one thing in this job, it's that everyone Everybody, in Wisconsin everybody's. is on supervision. Um, well, I, 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 here, I'll tell you this. I love that the main thing that you said that needs to change about Story Slam is that uh, I need to make more money from it. <laughs> not that I really make any money from it currently. Right. But. It, it, needs, it needs a level. It's at a point right now where I think it needs manpower more than anything and you're you're trying your best to give it that Does i that think make sense? i think more than anything what it needs right now so i say this all the time uh, about churches cuz i'm a church guy as we've established grew up in church and uh, i was going to a church for a while that met in a rented room of a building not even renting the whole building but they rent a room and uh, i told the pastor once uh, who wants the church to grow I said, listen, you know, a turtle is only going to grow to the size of their aquarium. And so, and I, and I would say, your church is only going to grow to the size that the room you're in can fit it. 
And that's how I feel about Story Slam right now. So you want a different space? I don't want a different space because the Wilmar Center has been so good to us. You want more chairs. Uh, <laughs> I'll say it like this. I want to expand. Okay. And I'm not quite sure what that means. Okay. If that means one month we're at the Wilmar Center and one month we're at my dream venue, which is the Majestic, um, things like that. I would love to do the Barrymore. Um, I was going to say the Majestic's your dream? Yeah, the Majestic is my dream for Story Slam, to be honest with you. That, to me, that's the venue where this belongs at. I think you could aim a little higher than that. That's not to disparage the oh, I, Majestic. I, absolutely right. I think there are bigger venues that I could aim for. Okay. But I love the intimate feel of the Majestic, and, and we could fit more people in there. I know you take you know all the months off in the summer, which is why I think that... June and July we take off, yeah. A, an outdoor space would also be interesting for you. I have searched and searched. My, my, my dream for that is to do the Union, the Memorial yeah, Union. That makes sense. Um, but the problem there is they have all these amazing bands that come in during the summer. Kill one of them. <laughs> Remember Find that storyteller who told that joke uh, during his story that we just got done talking about? <laughs> we don't make threats on this show, Zach. How dare you? Yeah, but that's less of a threat because I, I am an ant. I could not kill anyone. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, my dream is to expand Story Slam. My, my dream is to, you know, I didn't mean for this to get so serious. Yeah. But, um, Story Slam means so much to me, and it, it, it builds me up so much, and I, I tell people all the time that it sustains me. And, and I hope that I'm not the only one that feels that. I hope that people come to Story Slam and feel that real sense of community that I know we have, and that they look forward to coming every time, and that when they leave from it, they feel sustained, that it helps them carry on. Because if that's what's happening right now, then this needs to be bigger. Okay. Because we live in a day and age where people need things like Story Slam. That's how I feel. So, for fear of turning this into me interviewing you, but like also whatever, I'm not that interesting. Um, no, listen, you're, you're free to do whatever you want on this. What do you think of then, because I think it's not even just like you need a hook that makes you different, but like... What can people get out of Madison Story Slam that they can't get out of The Moth or out of the the one on East Johnson that I forget the name of or just getting their grandma drunk in the basement and asking her about everything that happened to her? Um, I don't know. I don't know what they could potentially get out of us that they can't get out of those other places. Because I think that's also part of it. You know, I, I, here's the thing. I don't want to say anything that disparages those other things. Well, that's why I say it's not, about, it's not about how much better you are necessarily, but it's that, that facet that you have. Uh, I'll say this uh, uh, in just in relation to the moth. The moth charges you to come. Uh, and so you pay $10 to go to the moth. Even as a storyteller, you pay $10. And, and even then, you're not guaranteed to get on stage, even less so than you are at Madison's. We, we try to get everybody on stage, right? right. Uh, but at the Moth, you, you put your name in a hat and they choose 10 people. And I think for us, part of what we have going for us is that it is free and that we have committed to having free events uh, because it makes it more of a community event than just a show. And then the, the other thing I think we have going for us is that we have really made a strong effort to make sure that if you signed up to tell a story, we want you to get on stage and tell a story. That being said, sometimes that doesn't happen. We only have so much time. And if 25 people sign up, I just, there's just no way. And, and, the, and then when that happens, they, they move to Scotland. And yeah. They never get to tell a story again. And she, to this day, says, you know, I had a fucking good story. Yeah, well... I should I should do a Skype interview with her and have her come tell the story. Maybe she's she was on a podcast the other day, mm-hmm. not like her personally, but it was just a guy rambling about all these poets he had yeah. listened to do poetry slams in 
uh, throughout the UK, and he was like, "Oh yeah, she's 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 from Glasgow, and she's the best you know poet I've heard in Scotland." And I'm like, "She is not from Scotland." <laughs> well, so let me turn this question around on you. What what do you think that we could offer that those others can't or don't? So that's tricky because the biggest thing you want to do is expand, and right now the biggest thing that you offer is your intimacy. Yep. That's Which. my daily struggle. That, or not, not daily, but that's my struggle with Story Slam is that we wow. have this intimate thing. And I don't want, for lack of a better term, to go corporate. Well, so I, I don't think that means you can't necessarily go bigger. I, think of, I can think of plenty sort of communities that got bigger while still maintaining this feeling of like we are together in a small group i subscribe to some podcasts that try to maintain that feeling while i subscribe to some that purposefully try to push that feeling away because they you know want to reach a larger audience and that's the thing they need to do you i think you see it all the time i don't think it means you can't keep like at your level it doesn't mean you can't keep growing like if john green can maintain that at his size you can (laughs) keep growing you're right but it means there is there's an upper bound yeah yeah it's tough man and part of why it's tough is that as we've established i just i just don't have the time to to put tons of thought into it right i can only devote so much you know i'm married i've got a full-time job i've Got other responsibilities. And maybe you found that balance and it's just about muscling through to the next yeah. stage. Which That's is like tough. Right. It's tough. Like I, I I just wish so bad this could be my job. And hopefully it can be. Because here's the thing, Zach. Uh we've got about five, ten minutes left here. <laughs> oh jeez. Um I want to talk about work real quick because you talked about getting hired at this place, and you told a great story about, uh, let's just be honest, getting fired from this place. Okay. Right? Yeah. Did you feel like working there was your passion? Did, I mean, was it like, finally, I got hired at the type of company doing the type of thing that I have, this is it. This I, is it. No, not at all. So what's your this is it? What's my this is it? Yeah. Like, I mean... Someday I would like to be a full-time writer. I acknowledge that that might not be a possibility on some level. Like, even commercially successful writers tend to be flashes in the pan so far as independence. Sure. It's... But I, I like to I like to write. I like to tell stories. I like to tell fictional stories. I tell a lot of stories about myself. But I all find the more reason reason you I, should come to read it and weep. <laughs> I don't think I have anything ten years old though. Yeah, if you dude, let me... do you know me? Do you know how loose okay, I am with the rules? That's fair. I was thinking maybe I'll bring something. I did find an old um, when I was back home. I didn't bring it with me though. An old letter. You could I'd always have your parents scan it self. and send it to you. If they can find it, they might have burned it. Um, <laughs> Well, it's this note oh, I wrote. What's this old thing that, oh, it's just Zach, so let's burn it. <laughs> it's this thing I wrote when I was like in, I think I was in fifth grade, and it was to my high school self when I graduated. And yeah. it was one sentence that stuck out to me, which is, we don't have very many friends now. I hope we have more. That's so precious. <laughs> that so, is adorable. How old were you? I was, so I, I was in fifth grade how old would i have been when like I 10 11 that? that's like what that. it would be um no a little older than that Maybe no 10 or 11 is fifth grade 12? no no 10 11 is fifth grade because so at 14 th- most people are ninth grade you're right children confound me they are just i don't yeah. there's a gap between two and 16 and I'm like not sure but anyway what was the line we don't have very many friends now i hope we have more yeah um, but I, to get real, you go back to what you were saying, you know, like that would be being able to write and sustain myself. Like if I could be 50, 50, yeah, oh, I would be happy. 50, 50 would be amazing. 50, 50. I don't need to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mom. Don't really want a child. Um, <laughs> 
Oops. Um, you, she, you, you always tell your parents not to listen to your stuff. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> I do. I've been in this weird pitched battle with my sister for years where it's like, oh, well, maybe I'll uh my i'll i'll adopt a kid when you know i'm i'm much older and yeah. I've, I've i've gotten my dream job and meredith is like well i'm gonna go you know be a teacher and <laughs> get my phd and i can't support a kid off of that and like well i started dating this girl and she's uh you know she doesn't want kids either and uh, we, we have this so long-term now your parents... thing and meredith's like well i'm gay and i'm like damn it <laughs> So now, so now, well, I mean, gay people can have kids. Yes, they can. So. I just like it's 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 a bet it's a good cap to sure. the story. But then when you yeah. dissect it, it's like, well, <laughs> then it becomes kind of offensive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes, that is fair. Um. Well, so anyway, this is my this is it. Like, you know, I I I pushed and pushed for music for years. I would play shows and record music, write songs all the time. You, you see the guitars hanging on my wall. And I never got anywhere with it. And I'm a good singer. I've got no problem saying that I write good songs, I write good melodies, and I, and I can sing very well. Um, but I just never got anywhere because part of it was like I just didn't have this like real drive for it. Like I'd be like, yeah, I'll play a show if somebody needs it or whatever. And then when I started doing story slams and then started a podcast, it was like immediately something that I knew that if I pushed for, it could be successful. And within three months, we, we were sponsored by Ellis Island. And that's huge. I mean, in three months and you're sponsored by the biggest brewery in Madison? Um, that was huge for me. And I just, so this is something that I'm good at, that I know how to do, and I love it. Like it as I've already established, it sustains me. And so, like, this is my this is it, and and I I want to do it. There you go. So, and kind of on the same lines, I've always said that I know I get to call myself a writer. If one person who does not know me picks up something I wrote, they paid for it through some avenue. I don't even care if any of that money makes makes it back to me but yeah they saw a thing they were like i am interested in experiencing this thing they pick up the thing they experience the thing and they are like i don't know who zach is but i am glad i experienced that thing yeah if something i work on can gain a level of independence and have a positive impact on a person i do not know that for fear of reusing your phrase that would probably be it yeah i get that i get that so hard <laughs> so listen zach this this has been such a fun conversation okay uh we 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 started out in a place that i didn't think we would start <laughs> with mustard where i ate away <laughs> and then we went to places that i really didn't expect to and um i don't know i guess like to wrap things up i just I would encourage our community and the members of our community to like go after the things that they're passionate about. I think that's how you sum up. Think about it. That's the whole conversation. This guy was passionate about mustard and he went for it. And so exactly to sum this up, if you're passionate about something, go for it. And that could mean a myriad of things. It doesn't mean that you quit your job and that's all you do. Maybe it just means that one night a week you're going to devote an hour to just that one thing. That is a form of going for your passion. And hopefully your passion grows. And hopefully your time and your money and things that you can devote to your passion will also grow. So, you know, life is good, man. Um, People are good. Life is good. And, uh, Zach, anything else that we should plug for you? Oh, no. That's... there's nothing worth plugging. Well, I hope that that podcast comes out soon, <laughs> that you finally let the world hear a podcast. And I hope that you release something in written form. I know that you blog sometimes, but I hope that you release something within a year in written form that can be consumed by people outside the realm of the internet. That's we'll my see. hope for you. Well, Thank you so much for coming on. I, I love you, and, and I'm so glad that you're a part of the Madison Story Slam community. No, I, I, you know, 
I don't know. This I is like a high school. This is like a high school budding romance. All of a sudden, yeah. Well. You're like shifting and kind of like rubbing the dirt with your foot. Well, but like my first, my, my first instinct would be to say, you know, you know, yes, of course, I feel the same, and I'm excited to see you on, you know, Saturday. But of course, this won't go out. This won't go out for time after that. To yeah. make sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see each other frequently. Right. I'm excited to see you in the moments where we get to see each other. I just say see you at the next story slam. What am I thinking? Ah! Yeah, that's what you could have said, but you didn't. <laughs> hey, that's going to do it for me and Zachary Shea. It was fun to talk to him about, you know, things like mustard and all that other stuff we talked about. His stories are hilarious. If you would like to hear more from Zach... You can pretty much go to any of the episodes of our Story Slam episodes in the last year and a half, and he will be on those. Um, Maybe not on every single one, but most of them. Hey, our next Story Slam is April 21st at the Wilmar Center. Uh, That is, as always, the third Saturday of the month. The theme will be, uh, let's see, Child's Play. So if you've got a great story about your childhood and the things you did as a child... We want to hear that. And remember, on May 12th, Saturday, May 12th, at Mr. Roberts on Atwood Avenue in Madison, Wisconsin, we're doing our new event, Read It and Weep, where we want you to come and read your old journals, your old letters, old short stories, anything you wrote before you graduated high school, or anything that you've written that you have more than 10 years separation from. All right, thank you for tuning in, and as always... I love you.